Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hello and welcome back to the Prep to Pro NBA Draft Podcast. My name is Ben Pfeiffer and today we have part two of our big mock draft special where we are going to do the second round of our full 60 pick mock draft and do some takeaways at the end. You absolutely love the first part of the mock draft and the support has been amazing so thank you for that. Uh, We hope you're excited, just as excited for part two. Uh, with our friends Jackson, PD, Jake, and Sam, along with Max, of course. And without further ado, let's get into it. There is no shortage of action going on with our partners over at BetOnline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play, and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit BetOnline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. BetOnline.ag, your online wagering experts. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna protest this pick because my two of my targets were, were taken right right up from under me, but. Um, no, uh, yeah, this is tough. I, I was targeting um, Sadiq Bay, Isaiah Joe, and Tyler Bay, um, all at the 31st pick here. Um, so it's a tough spot for me, but I think I think where I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Jaden McDaniels here. Oh, um, <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I you think... snaked PD. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, it's he snaked me, so you know, it's an eye for an eye. We're all we're even now. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think Dallas is somewhere that's proven to find a, a home for these kind of different wings. You know, Dorian Finney-Smith has turned into something solid there. Tim Hardaway had a really nice year after kind of bouncing around the league for a few years. Um, Maxi Kluber, he's not really a wing, but he's a guy who's, who's really excelled there. Um, and I think Jaden's someone who would, you know, he, this is clearly a spot where he's not going to be overextended like he was at Washington or in high school offensively. Um, I think his weak set room protection would pair really well on a team that's kind of um, doesn't have a lot of, I think it has some nice defenders, but you know, with Luca, you need more. Um, I think two two bigger guys or big taller guys, and Kristaps Porzingis and Jane McDaniel's, who can theoretically both shoot from deep and protect the rim, is really valuable. Um, and I think it's just a really good um, value play here um, on a team that has a solid track record of development and um, could always use more shooting. And I think Jaden's someone who can work well off the advantages that Grant Riller and Luka Doncic create. Um, and it's going to be able to shoot and provide some secondary rim protection. Um, it just makes a lot of sense to me based on how the board 
played out, um, and I'm really happy with how this um, how this uh, felt to me. And PD is on the clock as Charlotte at 32, and is surely very, very angry with uh, Jackson for taking his boy Jaden. <laughs> Doesn't even get to um, reunite the brothers either. <laughs> One pick that we never talked about, back to, to Dallas, was um, Jackson taking Grant Riller at 18, which is very interesting to me. Like, Jackson, why did you pick Riller over some of the shooters like Bain um, or Isaiah Joe or, or even – or was Neesmith off the board? Neesmith was off the board. But oh, just over the shooters who were available, why did you end up going with uh, with Riller there? I just I just have Riller a little higher on my board, and I think he still makes sense there. I think I really like his ability to work as a secondary creator. Um, I think his burst is so good, and he's a really smart off-ball player when given the opportunity um, from everything I've seen. So I think I think Bain makes made some sense there, but um, I just think you know having someone else who can kind of if you need to um, shift defenses on the ball, but also works well off the ball. You know they have Delon right there, but I think Delon Wright's just a little too conservative as a ball handler. Um, is where I want I wanted someone who can play on and off the ball, whereas I think um, Bain can play on the ball, but I just don't think he's as good as Riller on on the ball. I um, mean, even he's a better off ball shooter. Um, I think you know his his lack of burst. Um, is, is somewhat of an issue attacking closeouts. I, I, I really shot really well as a spot-up shooter from three over his four years. I think he was like 41% on 150-something attempts, so I'm really confident him there. Um, I just think he's a better bet to take advantage of attacking closeouts and working in that role, and if need be, can handle the ball and run offense like we saw in, in college. You uh, enthused about the defensive backcourt of Riller and Luca? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think that's an issue for sure, but um, that's why we've got Jaden McDaniels and Christoph Porzingis and Dorian Finney-Smith um, insulating me and Maxi Kluba. So, um, yeah, definitely some issues there, but part of that, you know, taking Jaden was, was tied, to, tied to the fact that I'd already selected Riller a, a few pick, or 13 picks higher. No. Um, uh, the Charlotte PD, Hornets are ready to pick. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Um, the Charlotte Hornets are going to pick Jalen Stick-Smith. Um. <laughs> A curious case of a guy who, like, should be more buzzed about, um, but just like doesn't ever get mentioned in conversations about big guys who can shoot. So now uh, Charlotte has two. Di- uh, Charlotte now has two different varieties of a uh, weirdo big man: the one with weirdo ball skills and the one with weirdo shooting. We are putting together an insanely fun team. <laughs> yeah, and I'm I'm on the clock now at 33 for Boston, and this is an easy pick for me as a guy I, I considered. It was a guy I considered at 26 even, uh, and I'm thrilled to you know get a high value future second. Uh, ben, just just put it in the dock before I even say. Yeah, it. it's uh, I'm taking I'm taking Nico Mannion. Yep, yeah. Um, <laughs> I I I think that he makes a lot of sense as as a you know guard next to Jason Tatum, just a guy who is a really sensational off ball player. I think I buy him a lot more as a as an NBA defender than a lot of people do, just because he is so good at beating people to spots, um, and he is such a smart team defender. Uh, I mean, definitely, I think, will be, like, neutral negative, but I don't think he's going to be a huge problem. And then just what he brings offensively as an off-ball player um, and with, with a little bit of, um, you know, it dep- depending, I guess, on how, on how his pull-up turns out uh, with some, like, on-ball creation equity. Uh, I really, really, really like that at 33. I would have taken him a fair, a bit, fair amount higher, 
uh, for Boston, but I think it's a it's a really great compliment. I'm happy with how that played out. Um, and now Ben is on the clock for Toronto at 34. Um, Ben, before you pick, I just want to say to Max that I was literally already dreaming about Killian Hayes throwing left-hand whip passes to Nico Mannion coming off a movement screen, <laughs> and I was already so excited for it, and then I forgot that I'm not the only one that still likes Nico here. I mean, at 33, it's incredible value in my opinion. Um, I'm still buying him to an extent. Obviously, there's physical limitations, handling limitations, primary limitations, which isn't ideal for someone who's 6'2 with, without great athletic tools. But I do buy the shot. I think he's super, super smart. Um, the lateral quickness improved a lot from high school and was impressed there at college. Um, to Putting him alongside Jason Tatum and Marcus Smart and all those impressive wing defenders who also have a ton of stats on the offensive end, uh, I think he should flourish in a bench role there. All right, uh, well, I have my pick for Toronto, and it's not a guy who I really like particularly much, but um, because of the Toronto infrastructure, um, I feel a little better about swinging on this player. So um, I'm going to go with Precious Achua at 34, which is a pretty decent reach. (laughs) 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 Which is is, um, definitely a reach um, by my board, but I think if... If any spot, that's not like like I think Milwaukee and Toronto are the two spots for for uh, Achua that I like the best, and I'm pretty stoked to to get him here at 34. It's just a guy who can stick in the G League for as long as he needs and have and have faith in Toronto's development system to not only give him the reps he needs to hopefully improve some of his feel and shooting, which really has nowhere to go but up, um, but but make the most of his defensive potential because that defensive potential is really there. I mean, he is a freak athlete with with the crazy standing reach and some pretty impressive instincts at times despite the obvious lapses. And yeah, I mean, just this is like very much a futures, like a future swing, um, an upside swing at this point, betting on Toronto turning those freakish athletic tools into like an actual viable basketball player. Um, but at this range in the draft, like, um, there was nobody else I really considered here. Um, I, I was looking at Pre- well, well, I mean, I was considering Jaden McDaniels, but I knew he wasn't gonna fall um, because of the people in front of me. Um, and he was the only guy who I really wanted at, at 34. So I am excited to to get him here. Um, this is the, the most positive I've ever been, probably will ever be about Precious Achua. So savor it. Um, and with that, um, Sam angrily is on the clock at 35 so with for, Sacramento. For the sake of Precious probably a lot better he ends up in toronto and not (laughs) yes uh so i'm gonna go with zeke naji at 35 Mm. um the idea is you hope that naji stretches the floor um and will provide some rim protection alongside denny and bagley and you kind of hope that trio gives you enough to replace kind of one (laughs) true big yeah i kind of like having those th- <laughs> those three bigs with with interchangeable skill sets um <laughs> on like like just to kind of like have three different guys with obviously Danny early in this draft and 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 Najee and Bagley of course who have a lot of really enticing skills but I mean Bagley's further along because he's you know he's an NBA player but still have a lot have a lot to put together and just have these guys um, who were able to learn along each other and just, just hope one really hits into something. And with that, um, PD is back on the clock with, with Philadelphia. To clarify, the, the laugh was coming from there's a Google Doc with all the uh, picks being tracked and Zeke Naji has been entered as um, Neek Zaji, which is apparently <laughs> a running joke now. Um, so that, yeah, that, is is. Really, that is where the laugh is coming from, just for, for all the listeners, not to be confused. 
Yeah. All right, so Sam, uh, PD, my bad. You're, you're on the clock. Well, uh, he doesn't have to pick right away, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm aware. Give me that. one moment to pull up some relevant stats. <laughs> I like the Zeke Naji pick. Um, I think it makes a lot of sense. You know, Bagley's shooting projection is still kind of up in the air, whereas I think Zeke Naji is a really strong shooting bet. Um, playing next to someone like Fox, um, you know, like to make Zeke can pull some defenses. I think he's going to be a pretty dang good big man, big man shooter um, and pretty switchable too. So um, I think that's a really nice pick and should pair well with, with De'Aaron Fox, which is probably the most important thing for Sacramento moving forward. I really like that trio of of uh, I can't I can't stop thinking that his name now is Nick Zaji. Um, <laughs> I, I I really like the trio of Denny Zeke Naji and Bagley. I think that like in really any combination of those three, uh, they work together really nicely. Um, yeah. So I think I think Sam has done has done really well to build out uh, Sacramento's front court. Yeah, I think um, yeah, I think Sam has been the best GM that this franchise has ever had. So, <laughs> <laughs> good job, Sam. <laughs> it's a high bar. <laughs> uh, the, the Philadelphia 76ers at pick thirty six are going to draft Paul Reed. Oh, fascinating! So you oh, now, I guess PD do do your do your spiel, but uh, also Jackson is on the clock for Washington at thirty seven. Yeah, um, I'm just doubling down on people who try really, really hard. Um, <laughs> and, like, I, around Ben Simmons, if you're not going, around Ben Ann and Bede, if you're not going to have uh, shooters, you do just have people who are really, really good at cutting, and we're going to try to win games in the 60s. Like, that's just what it's going to be. I mean, this is fast because you've now you've come up twice now as Philadelphia, right? No, no, no. Sorry. Oh, you got Malachi. All right, all right. You got Malachi because I, I was gonna be like, all right, you've come up twice as Philadelphia, and you have Josh Green and Paul Reed. I don't know about this for a team that that is fairly in need of shooting. But Malachi, um, I don't know if we we really talked about that one, but that's like the perfect compliment to Ben Simmons, in my opinion. Like I. I I think that that's so perfect and and just someone that, that like every Sixers fan should be just circling in in bold ink as the guy that they want of of all the guards. I think that like he's he's the one that makes so much sense next to Ben Simmons. Yeah, I thought about Nico there because of Nico's off-ball mm-hmm. shooting and Philadelphia's weird attachment to white point guards from Arizona. Um, <laughs> but, but ultimately I went with Malachi because Malachi can get into the paint and Nico desperately cannot. Um, that's just like your opinion, I think man. that <laughs> <laughs> and I think that Paul Reed uh, is another chance at like sort of the Jeremy Grant experience um, which I think was really interesting and with Joel's improved passing vision um, could bring some pretty interesting cuts from that like you know combo combo forward position they play at like that sort of that three four between uh, that three four front court between him Ben and, and Joe. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm up with Washington. Uh, this is a tough spot for me. There aren't a lot of guys I'm a, I, I really like here in terms of the fit. Um, but I, I'm going to go, I'm going to go Tyshawn Alexander here. Um, oh, damn it. I, oh my, <laughs> mm, 
there were a lot of different. There, so the three guys I was considering were Tyshawn Alexander, Nate Hinton, and Aaron Henry. Um, three defensive-oriented wings who project to be serviceable shooters. Um, but the issue is all of them are kind of like they're kind of two guard size, I think. And I would love to find someone who's more of a a wing slash you know three slash four. Um, I think you could probably play Henry there a little bit, but the other two would you know. Um, even even I think Hinton can maybe function a little bit there, but um, I just think Tyshawn's the best bet here. I think he's the best. Um, I think he's the best player of the three right now. I like his shooting projection a lot. Um, I think he's a little bit better a passer than given credit for. I know there's been some divisiveness there. Um, I like. I think the fact that, you know we're talking about a team that has Bradley Beal, John Wall, and Kyra Lewis um, creating advantages. I think uh, Tyshawn's a really good cutter and just generally pretty decisive attacking off the catch. Uh, which I like a lot. I think he's, like I said, a good shooter. And, you know, obviously the defense is where you're making your money as a guy who can guard both the one and two. Really awesome at getting over screens. Really good laterally. Um, not not a perfect defender by any means. You know, I think sometimes he, he struggles to open up his hips enough and allows dribble penetration. I know um, some people have talked about that. But I think at this point you're looking at a guy who could be a, a fine, solid rotation player and adds definitely some welcome defense to a team that it – that's going to struggle with John Wall and Bradley Beal kind of leading the way there. Um, but that's that's kind of how I settled on that. But not, nothing, not a pick I'm necessarily in love with, but I'm fairly yeah. fairly yeah. satisfied with it. All right, and, and now Jake, Jake is on the clock, the clock with New York um, for the Knicks. Yeah, so at 38 with the Knicks, uh, if you heard me rapidly typing in the background, it's because I had to check literally 15 times to make sure this guy hadn't been picked yet. So I was set on going Tyshawn. Uh, oh, I know who you're going to go with. For a bunch of reasons, but... Then I saw this guy was available, and I have him about 12 spots higher than Tyshawn in a vacuum, and I think he's perfect for the Knicks fit. I consider him at 27, and that's Duke point guard Trey Jones. Oh. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> not ben I'm, thought he knew, but he didn't. I thought I knew. I, I'm, I'm so curious who Ben thought I was taking. But I yeah, thought it was going to be Skyler. Oh, it was I, close. Skyler, we, Skyler got recognition. I really, thought, I really thought Trey Jones was already picked. Yeah, so I thought thought Trey Jones was picked too. Um, I have him as a first-round guy. Um, Came back for a sophomore year, showcased all that shooting we were looking for, some increased aggression, some increased usage. Um, I don't know if he's a – I don't think he's a starting primary at the next level, but I do buy the catch-and-shoot jumper. So the ability for him – I mean, a a defensive backcourt with Killian Hayes and Trey Jones is pretty impressive considering the Knicks were, I mean, atrocious on that end last year. So just thinking about them, I like – their fit together. I like Trey as someone who can kind of just control the offense, control the tempo, settle things down, go through his reads. Um, he's a smart, smart point guard. And I feel like I'm kind of repeating the same thing over and over again, but he just fills a big void that the Knicks didn't have. And that's a competent primary who can run an offense. And that's what we're looking for in Killian and Trey, obviously to a lesser, lesser extent. But again, that good, smart point guard who can fend at point of attack, makes more reads on the offensive and defensive side of the ball, but also with the new and improved catch-and-shoot jumper, which I kind of always bought in, the ability for him to then play off guys like RJ whenever he gets the ball and someone like Keelan Hayes who we acquired in the first round. Um, I think that kind of makes this a no-brainer at 38. And I am on the clock at 39, and this is a really easy pick for me. Um, I'm glad this guy fell. I'm going with Nate Hinton. No! Um, Oh no, yeah. Ben, no! <laughs> I've had Hinton, Hinton 1A, Henry Hen B circled for New Orleans for, for, for quite a while, oh, and I'm God surprised. Damn it, man. I, I, I'm really quite surprised that both of them fell to me, and so, which actually made me think for a bit, but, but ultimately it's Henry. I mean, not, not Henry, Hinton. Nate Hinton, don't get any ideas, Max. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I went with Hinton, because just, um, I, I mean, he's. Uh, 
first of all, a value on my board at this point, seriously. Um, and just an incredible defender. Awesome instincts as a team defender. Uh, just crazy good um, reading off the ball, um, jumping passing lanes, making interior rotations. Uh, obviously, there's the the awesome rebounding, which is just a value add. And with him and Josh Hart and Drew Holiday, you have like the best rebounding guard trio of in the history of the league. Um, and then again, in the Pelicans' infrastructure offensively, he's a guy who, if he shoots, is a really valuable player. And I think there's a great chance he ends up shooting spot-ups at a fine rate with with this roster. And, I mean, the Pelicans desperately need wing defenders. I mean, it, it's, it, it was such a glaring issue. I mean, Drew, Drew Holiday was their primary wing defender last year, and Drew Holiday's great, but he just isn't equipped to, to defend a lot of wings. And Nate Hinton, I mean, not as good on the ball as he is off the ball, but but, but someone who has has a 6'9 wingspan, 6'5", um, has a frame tends to develop, and if he shoots, is a really valuable player, and just someone I'm really, really stoked to that fell to me at 39 for New Orleans. Uh, just, just an absolute home run pick here. I'm on and the clock now. From, Max from is Memphis. on the clock from Memphis at 40. Um, yeah. well, with Hinton, he he plays really hard too, and he like is he's a really fun to watch in the open court. You know, with Lonzo and Zion pushing the tempo a lot, I think Hinton's a guy who could be. You, know, you could be the beneficiary of spot up threes or just finished at the rim um, because he's, I mean, the dude, his motor is absurd. I mean, that's yeah. not necessarily his, his best trait, but he plays hard. And, you know, the, when the ball's out in the open floor, he is just flying down there. So I think that's a nice fit, too, in terms of transition play. Hinton was going to play the too. four for me with Memphis so that I could have someone who could actually get rebounds next to JJJ. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> but I, I'm going to go with um, Aaron Henry uh, yeah. for for Memphis just get a guy who is I think the rare point of attack defender who actually you know generates a lot of impact there having that next to jaw so that he you know is not expending too much energy on defense it's probably a good idea um I don't feel spectacular about Henry as a shooter but I mean I don't feel any worse about him than I do about Josh Green and Green went what 15 spots higher uh, I mean, we've talked about him as as we've talked about Henry as a value play alternative to Green in the past, uh, and so I like that for Memphis here. Get a guy like guard wing type who can who can really defend. Uh, and Jackson now is on the clock at forty one for San Antonio. Cool. Um, Love this this Memphis pick, by the way. Oh, thank you. A few of the ways <laughs> to go. Um, I think there's some interesting developmental guards here, but um, San Antonio has a couple of those already now with Lonnie Walker and RJ Hampton. So I'm going to go Robert Woodard here. I think they need more defense in the front court, um, especially with Pirtle um, potentially being on as a free agent um, this offseason. And he's another guy where the shooting develop, the shooting projection is kind of precarious, but San Antonio's track record, I know they've moved some things around with their, their staff, but um, still somewhere I'm willing to bet on. And I like I like Woodard as just kind of that general 3-and-D guy. Um, showed some shot versatility at Mississippi State this year, which is interesting. Had some off-movement stuff. Um, shot... I think above 40% on low volume, but the free throw wasn't great. But um, I think he's someone who the foundation of his form is pretty fine. Um, make a few t- tweaks or tinker with it, and you'll be, you'll be looking at a guy who's a pretty solid shooter for his role. Um, really good team defender. I like his playmaking as a defender, too. Um, and just someone that I think is worth the, the bet here um, on a team that, d- that needs some front court um, defense. And um, I think Woodrick is even a pretty solid ball mover for his for his uh, size and position, showed some impressive stuff this year um, as a passer. Won't be something that's really a huge part of his game in the NBA, but it is never a bad thing to be a plus passer because I think for your role, because that can always be an indicator of um, other things such as instincts and feel. 
Um, so I'm, I'm happy with this spot. Um, kind of the general range I had ordered anyway as my board on the, in the mid 40s. So um, not a lot to it. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the thought process there. All right. So I am on the clock with New Orleans. And again, this was a pretty easy pick for me. Um, New Orleans has a lot of picks in this draft. I've already, already had two. It's just a lot Man, of guys. I in the swear roster. to if you, I swear to God, if you do it, I think you're gonna. Uh, no, I'm not gonna take the guy you want. Um, I guarantee I'm not taking the guy you want. So I'm going with Abdullah and Doy, um, oh as gosh. another stash. I knew, it, yeah, I'm going going with Abdullah and Doy just as another guy who I don't have to bring over right away and use a roster spot on, and also a guy who's a value at this point on my board, six foot seven and just a really impressive passer. Uh, someone who has live dribble passing capability, really great laydown passer, played a lot of point guard and ran offense for Chalet, um, despite his size, which is really impressive, P- pretty good. I think he's already about 22 or 23, so he's not young, but again, someone who can hold in Europe um, and wait until we're ready to bring him over, if ever, or y- use him as a trade. Someone who we don't need a roster spot on, and someone who's a really talented talented wing player who's just always a good bet um again someone who's someone who has like a 40 free throw rate um over the last couple years um pretty solid shooting indicators uh really impressive um just kind of stocks guy with lots of length um so yeah i mean just a developmental player swing uh stash guy fits pretty perfectly exactly what i want at, at 42 and again i'm stoked to get him here so and with that uh sam is on the clock with sacramento at 43 all right, I'm not sure how this pick's going to go over because I don't think there's a single person in here that likes him. But at 43, I think it's fine value. So I'm going to go with Jamis Ramsey. Mm. Oh. <laughs> 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 yeah, man. <laughs> Do your thing, I guess. Uh, and Jake is <laughs> Jake is on the clock for Portland at 44. <laughs> I mean, well, let's, let's hear Sam's rush now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's just... mean, I, the rationale really is first of all I do think he's going to go like he's going to get drafted so like at some point I just figured I might as well pick him because I wasn't sure if anybody else was going to but I do think he's going to be able to shoot at least with some variation catch and shoot and at least on ball defense he should be alright with the body I mean the awareness is just a straight up disaster but with Heald and Ramsey, we do have some nice shooting gravity that we could play in some lineups where you're not really going against, you're going more against defense lineups that don't necessarily have a ton of creators. So that's really the, ra- the rationale. Any rebounds, at least, so that helps a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, Ramsey's gone. <laughs> Dude, think about what's going to happen to the person who takes uh, Isaiah Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> Sam, you're having the best Kings draft of all time. <laughs> um, well, it matches out he was having the best Kings draft of yeah, all time. <laughs> Jake, please. So am I. I'm on the clock with Portland. I think you're going to take who I want. Yeah. Oh, I don't know if I'm going to take who you want, but I'm going to take who you thought I was initially taking, and oh, I'm going to go with Skylar Mays. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going Skylar Mays at 44. For Portland, um, in a vacuum on my board, it's really good value. I think he's a top 30 guy in this class, and I like the Portland fit a lot. He can play on or off the ball. I really like his shooting versatility off the bounce. A, lot, a, a huge plethora of step back, sidestep. He's got a really shifty handle. Um, maybe I'm, I don't even want to be hyperbolic, but like maybe the best like spin move 
I've seen in a long, long time. Like he, it's super tight, and like he is always so on balance coming off it. Also has a really good pump fake, and like now I sound like the biggest old head at the YMCA, but like <laughs> that's what Skyler Mays is, and he just plays his way. He plays his pace. There are obviously obviously athletic concerns, and he gets caught sleeping on defense a little too often. But he can a guy who can play on or off the ball. I really like his shooting. He's crafty. He can get into the lane. Um, I don't know. I think I might have a higher vertical jump than him, but <laughs> it's still the athletic concerns are we're, we're acknowledging that, but we're assuming that he can be a good enough scorer and be a good enough point of attack defender and, and smart enough in digs and in passing lanes to make up for that. And as, as far as his fit in Portland, I like that he can play off of Dame and CJ and space the floor and be a reliable catch and shoot shooter. But obviously I, I express my skepticism with Anthony Simons running anyone's second unit. I don't, or any unit period. Yeah. And for the last in PIPM Simons. So. Yeah. So I mean, look, I, I also like that as a spot that can give Skyler his own ball reps. Cause I think he is really impressive there. Um, does has some impressive playmaking flashes. He's really effective coming off pick and roll. He's smart manipulating defense. As far as a scorer, I'd like him to get to that next step as a passer. But again, somewhere we can get on and off ball reps in the middle of the second round. Sign me up for Skylar Mays. All right. So with that, I am on the clock as Orlando with forty five, uh, sprinting to the podium. You're gonna take sprinting, the guy I want. sprinting oh, to no. the podium. Um, I've had this guy circled since I made the Bomaro pick. Um, just taking another swing at a creator, um, and I want Cassius Winston, oh, who, who, oh yeah, um, <laughs> Cassius Winston, um, one of the best shooters in this draft, uh, really ridiculous shooter, um, off movement, off pull up, throughout his whole career, the numbers have been unbelievable. A really awesome playmaker out of the pick and roll, super manipulative, has has live dribble passes with both hands, um, awesome vision. Um, yeah, and again, I mean that burst. And the driving ability is going to be a real issue and in, in the NBA, and the defense is going to be atrocious. But, I mean, at this point in the second round, especially with Orlando, who just needs creation and shooting and scoring desperately, and someone who can get their own shot and, and create for others, I mean, Cassius is, like, as good of a swing as I can ask for at, at this point in the second for Orlando. So I'm a fan of how this draft turned out um, for them. I'm greatly relieved to now be on the clock uh, as Boston at 46 with my guy available. Um, I've already taken three guys to have on the NBA roster, so I I was looking for a stash here. And I'm again going to double down, actually. I'm going to take Rokas Jokobitis and and stash him. If the Nico experiment doesn't work out, I I want another guy who has a future as a complimentary NBA guard. Uh, I think Rokas is probably less in the mold of like a third guard who can play in a different in a lot of different roles and more of a just like a strictly a backup point guard. But I'd I'd like to have you know that guy developing overseas, um, not taking up a roster spot, and you know possibly uh, you know as insurance in case in case Nico doesn't work out because I could see that happening if he hits a a low end shooting outcome. Uh, and now Sam is back on the clock with Chicago at forty seven. Uh, all right, so I'm going to take the best handles in college basketball in Jared Butler. Um, mm. We now have two competent ball handlers next to Zach Levine, so we can keep him off ball as much as possible. <laughs> and he's not, he's, he's not a bad defender, so that'll help. And I do think him at the point guard spot is a pretty nice fit next to Levine or Cole, really, if you want to move Cole off the ball. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm now yeah. Jackson is on the clock at 48 for Golden State. Um, before Jackson chimes in, since Jared Butler doesn't get a ton of positive light on Prep to Pro, I feel like it's my duty while I'm on here to <laughs> give him some positive light. Um, I really like the pick. I had him penciled in for OKC at 51 if he fell. I considered him with Portland and New York, my earlier picks. Um, super impressive and super crafty in the pick and roll. He, I mean, the decision-making, as Max and Ben both love to point out, is, isn't always on point, but you're getting a guard who can create advantages with his handle and also play off the ball as a really, really reliable catch-and-shoot shooter. I think he sh- I don't know what the number is. So I don't want to throw anything out, but I do remember thinking it was really good. He has consistent footwork on that on that end, um, and he, he's a positive for his defensive position, I think. I'm super crafty at the point of attack. I get his hand in there and make a play and he can give you a spark, and that's just the general idea. I don't think he's going to be a starting point guard in the NBA, but can he be a six-man Lou Williams type, come in there, give you a scoring burst, operate a pick and roll? I think that's definitely a viable path for Jared Butler. Appreciate the love, Jake. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) (laughs) There's no shortage of action going on with our partners over at betonline.ag. The sports world is slowly making its way back with the NBA announcing its return in late July. But right now, UFC, boxing, NASCAR, and international soccer have all resumed play and BetOnline has the best odds slash lines for their upcoming games and matches. Need more? BetOnline has simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC happening live every day for our devout gamblers to check out. BetOnline also offers hundreds of live casino games, poker tournaments, and the best props in the business. Visit betonline.ag on your computer or mobile device and join now to receive your welcome bonus. Betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. I'm up, I'm up with the Warriors, correct? Yes. You are up with the Warriors. Okay. You have um, still a lot of time. Yeah. Um, so there are a few different ways I wanted to go. I think the Warriors still need more guard depth. I think we saw some some issues. I mean, a lot of issues this year when, when Steph went down and Clay was out. Um, and someone who can run run the offense through a little bit into a threat, a scoring threat. So um, here I'm going to go Mason Jones. I know some people don't really like him. I know other people are a little bigger fans, but um, I think he's someone you can at least, you know, not direct an offense, but I know Steve Kerr really likes to run things off the ball um, with Steph. And so if you have someone besides Draymond, who isn't really a scoring threat, he's almost solely just a, a playmaking threat. Someone like Mason Jones, just a threat off the dribble, is a really impressive driver in terms of his technique and skill. I know there are a lot of issues and concerns with his burst, which is really problematic. Um, but just having watched a lot of him this year, I think the way in which he gets the rim is really impressive and finishes there. Um, and it's a pretty solid pass. I don't think it's anything special. I think it's probably his least good offensive skill overall, um, but pretty solid enough there. And so I like this as a guy you can just at least trust um, to run things through on occasion um, and just benefit from some of the stuff they run for, for Steph and Clay off the ball and, and make use of that. Uh, you know, weren't a lot of guys really liked here, considering maybe some wings, but... Um, Mason Jones is a guy I have decently high on my board, top 40. So um, I think he's worth the, uh, the selection here, right about 50 at 48, 40th overall. All right. Um, uh, now Ben is on the clock I am on for the clock two with, consecutive picks. I'm on the clock with Toronto absolutely sprinting to the podium to to, to draft Eve Pons. Um, <laughs> I don't know why. Now I'm echoing, but um, we'll go fly through it. Just freak, freak athlete. Um, has improved as a shooter pretty dramatically over the last couple years, even if he's nowhere near where he should be at this point. Just someone who swallows up basketballs um, like as a shot, uh, shot blocker, 
pretty good mover, just a ridiculous athlete. And comparing, I mean, him, I mean, not comparing, pairing him and Precious Achua um, in this draft is pretty spectacular um, in terms of athletic tools. Just chuck them both in the G League, hope one turns out. Um, and just from a developmental standpoint, um, in Toronto's system, um, that's 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 as happy as I can be um, in terms of just getting like upside punts um, in the second round of this draft. So again, um, very happy to to draft pawns and just someone who's awesome. Love him. And with that, um, I am back very on the clock. Very excited for Raptors nine oh five. Very excited. For oh Raptors my god, that team would be insane. Just, just god, that's pretty incredible. Honestly, that's so much just chaotic energy on one G League team. <laughs> so much chaotic energy, um, and I would lo- I would be stoked to watch it. Um, really like that pick. Um, so yeah, I need a second for Indiana. So um, perfect. Um, I I want to shout out uh, our friend Trevor William Marks, who I who has asked I think now a couple times who the hardest eval in the class uh, has been for each of us. And uh, and we've we've missed the question, uh, but with Jack's picking Mason Jones, I want to say that for me the answer is without a doubt Mason Jones because I don't understand how he does what he does. Like obviously, like he's very good at creating leverage on drives. He just plays with a very unorthodox pace to him, uh, and it just throws guys off. But I I have no idea how you project forward Mason Jones because what he does is so unique and bizarre, and it shouldn't work at the college level. But it does because you're talking about a guy who is like a zeroth percentile athlete, um, and was just a dominant college scorer, uh, like as as a slasher. Uh, it's it's unbelievable, um, and I understand the the impulse that some people have to you know have Jones as like a first round type prospect. I can't get behind it. I think like it it's kind of similar to arguments you'll see in the mainstream just like that center along lines of production um where i I feel like that tends to be for for like you know bigs or or bad shooting guards like jamias um as opposed to guys who are sort of like initiator gambles but i i still don't understand jones i've watched a fair amount of him at this point he's very confusing to me um and yeah, I mean, I, I does does anyone else feel this way about Mason Jones, or is this just me that I, I no, I'm like still struggling with to get you. Mason Jones? Yeah, I'm absolutely with you because I, I, I it, it's just what do you project him at? Because I mean, off the ball, um, he's just not as exciting as because I mean, he's purely on the ball player in college, but very much not a guy who has that ability to do it on the ball in the NBA. But maybe someone who, by some miracle in in the NBA, eventually is outlier good enough as a pull up shooter or a finisher somehow to, to succeed there. Like, he's not someone who I'm excited about projecting off ball, which which lowers his value uh, without usage. So yeah, I mean, I'm I'm just hedging um, by being out on Mason Jones, but I, I, I really... That's struggle. not hedging, that's being not, out. out. <laughs> you guys hear me? I, I love this pick. Am I can hear me? Yeah, we can, we can hear everyone. Okay. Um, I, just, I just want to come on with Mason Jones. So he was a guy that I was really confused about for a while too. Um, and I read a big piece on Isaiah Joe recently, and so I got to watch a lot of Arkansas. And what I noticed is, like, if you slow down his drives and the way he drives, he is incredible about, like, a lot of defenders instinctually try to put their arms up or create an arm bar. And Jones is just incredible at swiping it away, and it kind of takes guys back so often that he can get to the rim. Um, and he has incredible balance. Like, I think he's a very poor athlete um, explosively, but he's incredible balance, can hit shots from weird angles. He's really deceptive with his ball placement as a finisher. He's kind of like, 
Riller in that sense, Grant Riller, that um, he can move the ball midair, he can use both. I don't know. He's definitely not as ambidextrous as Riller, but, um, yeah, he was a guy that confused me for a while, but I just watched a lot of him in depth and slowed down stuff, and um, his technique and craft as a driver is really impressive. And then off the ball, I know like, his spot numbers historically have been pretty low over his two years at Arkansas, but I think he's pretty good attacking off the catch in terms of just being decisive and making things happen. Um, and if you can get downhill, I mean, like his finishing craft and strength for guard is already really good. So um, if you can get the rim of the NBA as like a secondary guy attacking off the catch, then I think he'll still be pretty good there, value there. But I totally get why he's weird to evaluate. Um, just kind of an odd player that shouldn't make sense with kind of his frame and whatnot. But um, having binged a lot of Arkansas in the last three weeks or so, um, it made more sense and maybe a bigger fan because he's someone at least I'm, I'm going to bet on. Um, incredible step back shooter, a good space creator off the dribble. So um, very much a funky player, but someone who I think is a lot more technically sound and crafty than maybe giving credit for some people. For some people who don't quite understand and not necessarily a criticism, but I think he's someone who you really got to zero in on and um, watch really closely in terms of what he does as a driver to fully understand how he does it. Sorry to cut you off, Jackson, but Ben, ben is, is out of time. Ben has Yeah, I have three. my pick. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'm gonna, I'm, I'm, I don't love any option here particularly, so I'm just gonna go BPA um, on my board, and that's Najee Marshall. Um, that's my BPA at, at this point. Um, someone who like is pretty impressive as just like an off the catch um, attacker offensively, um, even though the shooting is is not there, and, and that's why he's as far um, down the board because the shooting is really an issue with him. Um, but like if he if guys do close out, he he's got really great footwork attacking off the catch, fairly bursty. Um, was a really good finisher like finisher this year, almost seventy percent at like around thirty percent assisted. Um, can really pass too, especially in that secondary off the catch attacker role. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, and then defensively, someone who again has his issues with lapses and isn't the strongest, but is pretty good. I mean, is pretty smart off the ball and has really nice feet chasing guys around screens and off the ball and just as kind of a developmental kind of shot here um, in the 50s for the Pacers, uh, someone who doesn't need to play right away, uh, someone who's probably going to, Nate McMillan is someone who's going to get the most out of him defensively and if he ends up shooting spot ups could be a pretty solid 3 and D kind of wing um, in the future. So yeah, I mean just BPA, uh, nothing really crazy here. Um, Zach Milner is really going to enjoy this one. And uh, Jake is on the clock with OKC and actually back-to-back picks. Yeah, so with my first pick and with OKC, I really, really, my heart so badly wanted to pick Saban Lee and just let him rock out in those three-guard lineups next to Schroeder and CB3 or SGA and CB3, whoever. But um, my head told me otherwise with his lack of shooting. So I'm going to fill a little bit of a need and go with someone I still really like a lot. And I'm going to go with Isaiah Livers out of Michigan for the uh, Thunder. Um, Their threes and fours are just really, really shallow. Um, They have, like I talked about, they have good centers and they have defensive anchors. But they lack those, like competent rotational wings and fours to kind of shore up everything else and I think Livers is a guy that's really getting underrated and I think he should definitely get drafted um a reliable shooter at his size moves pretty well on the perimeter really smart team defender and I just think that he can play an immediate role for them right away um I think he can play in the league um again he's not a huge upside play but how many guys are in the 50s so if you can get someone who kind of fills a role for you and can be that three and D four who can also defend some perimeter guys and move pretty well and is strong can hold his own in the paint. Then I think that's kind of a home run in this scenario. Saban would have been such an aggressively OKC pick. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm kind of like I'm curious to hear more about what you think about his defense because, like, I think he's like at least from what I've seen is like a very theoretical three D type where he has like the body you want but isn't actually good at defense. Um, I mean, like, I mean, I like it from like a Thunder POV. Like, I think it makes sense for them as just like a big body shooter. Um, but I'm I, like I, I'm just curious what you think about the defense, maybe some of the ancillary skills, because I mean I haven't been really able to pencil him in 100. percent So, I mean I th- I think he's I think he's really smart on that end. Um, obviously you're not getting this top tier athlete. Like he moves well, but it's he moves well for his size, right? I mean he's not like this generational four who can guard everyone, but I think he can definitely make plays and he can make an impact. Obviously the main selling point is the shooting at his size, right? That you're able to kind of get a four, a true four who has true four size, but can also space the floor. Um, that's the main selling point, but I do believe in the defense, at least from a team aspect. All right, and you're back on the clock with Atlanta, so. All right, so yeah, so I have my Atlanta pick ready. Um, I'm going to go one of my favorite guys in this draft, um, Jalen Harris out of Nevada. Um, I think he does feel a good, not necessarily a void for the Hawks, but I think he fits well there. Um, really competent shooter, even off movement to an extent. I mean, he had a ton of eye. He has a bunch of eye popping baseline eye bounds plays. Well, he'll literally just sprint. He'll take the ball out, sprint up through an elevator screen, turn and fire like it's effortless. Um, 6'5", also has really impressive shot creation skills off the bounce. He can dribble. And the part that I'm really intrigued with is I've seen a bunch of pick and roll, like him initiating some pick and rolls, and he's made some really impressive drop-off passes or live dribble whip-around passes around the big. I'm just manipulating defense with his eyes. And if you can t- kind of take that to the next level to pair with his scoring and shot creation, I think you definitely get an NBA player. And, and in terms of Atlanta, again, you get someone who can kind of play off tray and space the space the floor with that movement shooting. But then maybe, like, like we said, they don't really have anyone to run that second unit. So there's more on-ball reps, similar to the situation I talked about with Portland. You get, get, get Jalen Harris in there. You can let him rock out with some pick and rolls and kind of showcase that scoring ability, but also develop the passing ability. Um, I know he's on the older side, so you're not really working with much development, but I do think he could stick in the NBA if given the right chance. All right, and with that, Sam is on the clock with Sacramento at 53. All right, I'm going to go with Emmanuel quickly at 53. Um, don't necessarily know. I'm kind of betting on the shooting being rather outlier and that outside of Kentucky – you kind of you get the Kentucky bump. Um, at this point, you're kind of looking for traits, and I feel like with the shooting and the Kentucky background and, like, the high RSDI, there's indicators there that show that he could kind of pop uh, in a chance. Like, if you give him a role in the G League, let him kind of try out a bunch of different things there, I think it could be an interesting situation. All right, now we have Jackson, Jackson on the clock. Uh, at 54 for the Warriors. Okay, yeah. Um, so this was kind of an interesting spot for me. Um, the guy I'm going to go with is I think they need some more shooting. Um, I know they didn't have a lot of shooting in the last couple of years, and that's what you need around um, guys like Steph and Clay and Nick Combo at this point. So I'm going to go with Trey, Trace Tinkle. Um, hmm. I know he's never a, a super efficient guy from three, but he's six seven and a lot of them and is a, a versatile shooter can shoot from a crazy angles i think some of his lack of efficiency is because of the, the shot difficulty and the versatility so i really like that there and i think he's a pretty smart team defender his biggest issue is he's just a really really poor athlete 
um, and pretty much every sense the wood doesn't move well um, vertically, horizontally, anything like that is pretty much zero burst. Um, but I, I just like the, the combination of shooting volume. Um, I think he's a solid passer to use his gravity when he does catch the ball and defenses run at him. And just the team defense, I think, is going to be solid enough. So um, just a guy who's 6'7", knows how to play. Uh, seems kind of cliche, but I, I think it's a worthwhile um, bet at this point for the Warriors. You just need guys. Super tra- uh, Tinkle's super old, obviously, but um, pretty, uh, pretty satisfied with uh, taking him here. All right, I am on the clock for Brooklyn at 55, and I'm going to take uh, Borisa Simonich. Um, so, I mean, like I mentioned earlier, Brooklyn has a ton of guys under contract next year already. I don't want to be bringing in a guy that I'd need to give a roster spot to. Not that I'm going to with the 55th pick anyway. But uh, I think Simonich in Brooklyn represents an interesting fit because of their willingness to play zone in the past. Um and just the fact that Simonich is, is good around the rim when he stays there as a, as a rim protector, but when he has to leave the paint, things get very, very ugly. Uh, and just the idea that he's, you know, for better or worse, DeAndre Jordan is in Brooklyn fairly long-term. Uh, and Simonich is a very different style of center from that. He is you know probably the best shooting big man in the entire class. Uh, so he's a guy that, as Brooklyn, that, you know, you can stash. Uh, you know, check back in on him in a few years. If he's actually willing to take shots, then uh, he could be a really nice option for them. Uh, and if not, I mean, it's the it's the 55th pick, so not a huge deal. Um, and now Charlotte and PD are on the clock at 56. All right. Uh, at 56, uh, Charlotte is going to take Chris Smith at UCLA. Um, this is a, another, um, you know, 6 nine combo forward with some uh, athletic traits and a developmental shooting track. Uh, bad shooters first two years at UCLA and then became an 84% free throw shooter. In his junior year, he's sophomore aged, he's long, um, probably closer to a 3.5 instead of 4. Um, and this is just somebody to stash in the G League, um, similar to what happened to uh, McDaniels, the older and uh, and to see what the Borrego system does for him. Uh, I am back up now with the Clippers, um, and I'm going to take uh, Yudoka Azubuki. Um, kind of wanted to get a defensive-minded center with this pick, and I, I wouldn't necessarily say that Doke is that. But, I really want to Doke at 60. Yeah, I mean, it, I think he's just a nice option for <laughs> L.A. to have as just a, like a really ridiculous lob threat. Um and yeah, I mean, I, I kind of I wish that like Paul Reed had fallen to me, or even even like Precious at the like this is a point where I'd be willing to take him. Uh, but you know, him falling, Precious falling this far is probably never realistic. But I'm pretty content with Doak. I think that at 57, that that's a guy who who might actually be an NBA player, which is a pretty big win for a team as good as LA. That's um that's so asset poor after the Paul George trade. I um and I am on the clock with Toronto and while the smart thing, uh, is probably t- would probably be to go with the the top stash guy on my board who I'm not gonna say, um I'm just gonna go all the way in um, with this with this pawns and Achua thing and get oh, Lamine no. Genet, <laughs> and get and get Lamine Genet. um I don't know who you thought what? I was gonna Whoa. go with I thought you were taking Abua. 
Oh my, Max, come on. Um, <laughs> no. And then I'm going to get Lamine Genet, um, just, just to build, like, the ultimate 905 athletic wing, like, I'm not wing, it's precious, it's not a wing, but athletic, like, six foot eight sized-ish trio. Um, Genet, um, someone who is often very erroneously compared to Pascal Siakam, um, totally missing the the shooting component that Siakam showed in, in college. But again, um, super ridiculously productive, um, is pretty old for a sophomore. Um, again, really great athlete, um, has shown some handling and some offensive ability, just a really, really, really incredible motor, plays super, super hard, um, could be an awesome rebounder, um, it's going to get lots of effort blocks and steals, and again, just like a bag of tools and motor um, is what I want in, in 905, and like coming out of this with with um, with Pons, Precious, and Janae is like the most aggressively Toronto thing I could have done, and I'm really, really happy that um, I ended up with these three guys because it's just gonna make it's gonna make the best G League experience of all time, and I really hope um, we get um, the Jalen Green G League team versus this team in, in this fake universe because that would be incredible. <laughs> um, and that and with that, um, PD is on the clock for his last pick with Philadelphia. Um. So Philly's just gonna go and draft for type and just get the best shooter on the board. So, so at 59, we're gonna take Court Kispert, um, who is a 40% shooter on like 450 career attempts. Um, six six. He's here to do one thing and one thing only, and that's Jack from three. And Philly needs somebody who can put up as many shots as possible. All right. Um, and with the final pick of the of this fake mock draft here. Um, I'm going to take the stash guy who I was talking about um, at 58, and that's uh, Georgios Kalitzakis, who is, again, this, that's um, lots of lots of stashes for New Orleans. That, that's three, but New Orleans doesn't have roster spots to, to hand out at this point and already has a stash in uh, Gigi Luzada, who has shown a lot of promise. So, yeah, just another guy who can develop um, in Europe, six foot seven. Showing some really intriguing skills on both ends uh, with regards to ball handling and even some passing and and his shot creation and then some uh, and then even some 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 defensive ability with his size and some event creation. But yeah, I mean, just again, like a, a player to track. If he's nothing, you don't waste a roster spot. It's the 60th pick, but someone who could come over and be a pos a plausible wing player uh, for the for the Pelicans in the future. So coming with three stashes in this draft is pretty much what I was going for considering a good trade. So yeah, uh, Kalitzakis is the final pick of our prep to pro um, mock draft. Yeah, I and with that, let's let's go over, I mean, quickly, some just takeaways or general thoughts. Uh, next week, actually, we're going to have an entire episode on that with a special guest. But uh, for now, let's just do that briefly. And the first thing that I think I wanted to, to talk about was the fall of Tyrese Halliburton. Um, and what that drove home for me is that... <laughs> He really shouldn't be taken very highly because none of these fits make any sense for optimizing him as a linking player. Like, just looking at the board, some things that I would have made, like, a little bit of sense, I think, are Phoenix at 10. Uh, I think you could make the argument Washington at 9. Um, but after that, I mean, it's really tough. You get... Then you have to you have to wait until the good teams at 19, you know, 19 and beyond to really find fits that make any sense. I think it just drives home the idea that he's not a guy you want to be taking. Uh, I, I don't think in the lottery really, but definitely not in the top you know, seven or eight. 
Yeah, and especially contra- contrasting all those teams that, you know, are looking for primaries at the top. I mean, you have back-to-back-to-back Dallas, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, who are d- three of about the best landing spots you could think of for Tyrese Halliburton. So, yeah, I mean, his range um, in real life is likely going to determine a lot of what his actual value is. And as we talked about on, on this podcast before, um, is a guy who could potentially be, like, a, a really, really valuable second contract player. Uh, because if he's drafted as a primary early, um, his chances of succeeding are significantly lower than if he were drafted later, like he is in, in our mock draft. So, I briefly thought about him for Minnesota, but I kind of wanted a bigger body, not necessarily a better defender, but at least somebody you could like directly speak on a small forward. And with Halliburton, D'Angelo, and Lamella, it's a pretty skinny trio. Yeah, I mean, I I think that's a, that's a reasonable place to pass on him. Just with, yeah, I mean, even even without Lamelo there, honestly, I I would be, um, you know, I'd be inclined to stay away from from Halliburton. But I mean, Lamelo, like, in in I think like a maybe sixtieth percentile Lamelo outcome. I think he's just probably a better version of the Halliburton linking role anyway, because you're talking about a guy then who is, I think, a superior passer, a much more willing shooter, uh, like, worlds uh, of difference in terms of, uh, like, intermediate game. Uh, And then I think that, you know, Lamelo could be an even more uh, potent off-ball defensive player. So I think you've already got that base covered, really, with Lamelo if if he doesn't sort of pan out as the mega creator that he could be. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of my favorite drafts are, I mean, I guess I'll say picks because um, it was really one pick was um, Isaac was Isaac Okoro in Phoenix. Um, that was one that I think really, really fits well. And like you said, it's probably not going to happen because of the way the board's going to shake out with, with Okoro's stock. Just like someone who gives a, a lot of versatility on, on both ends and allows the Suns to, to do a lot, um, even though Okoro is obviously, is like, Often his his versatility is limited by some because yes the, the the catch and shoot is an issue and if he can't catch and shoot that that limits his versatility but someone who can slash and cut and and kind of like defend guys um gonna be an awesome on the ball defender taking guys away and really insulating Devin Booker um assuming the Suns want to build around Devin Booker which it seems like they do um I think insulating him is what you want to do and getting Isaac Okoro here is uh, just combining it with Bridges and Ubre is the best thing that the Suns could have done here so. Something that was that was highlighted to me, just I mean, ever any time you do an exercise like this with this class, I think it becomes very clear that there are so many guards in that late first range, um, and something that that is just like driven home to me time and time again is that Philadelphia is going into this draft with 22, 34, and thirty six. If they don't come out of this draft with a really really good compliment to Ben Simmons it is just a monumental failure of team building because you look at at Malachi Flynn who PD took and I think is probably the single best fit next to Ben there's Tyrell Terry Devon Dotson Teo Maladon Nico Mannion I mean there are just so many of these guys and they might have three shots at taking them so if they if they like, because they, they, they keep having chances to do this and they keep passing. But if this year they do it again, I mean, that's just such a monumental failure of team building if that happens. And it's just, I think it's a, it's a pretty crucial draft for Philly. Like, the, the clock is definitely running on them with the, um, 
the Embiid Simmons duo, and and they they need to they need to get that guard this year. Yeah, I mean, I fully agree on the Philly thing, and I was going to hammer home the Malachi fit again. But another point I want to really emphasize: I sent out a tweet a couple of days ago, or maybe the other week, that was just talking about how this draft is going to be even more fit oriented than before. Like the concept of BPA might even dwindle sooner than you would think or you look at it and say oh there's no one else like there's not really a ton of great guys here that can contribute immediately so okay maybe we'll take a bpa swing like in my opinion i would go to the team fit side but i think evaluating and looking at the team's draft philosophies throughout like throughout the entire night i think they could be on such opposite ends of the spectrum is going to be really interesting to me but i mean you saw over the course of this exercise like there's not a lot of viable high ceiling hits so I mean, you look at someone, I mean, I knew Ben, like, had his hands tied behind his back, and he went with Patrick Williams at six, like, Neesmith at 16. These are really fit-oriented picks and ranges that you might not normally see that with teams who you might not normally see that from. Like, but it's just this class doesn't offer that star-studded guy or star-studded group that makes you even willing to pass on someone who can help you next year or next two years and just fits with what you already have. So I think that's going to be really interesting to see how teams go about tailoring their draft picks to the fit that they have, even compared to like me doing a big board. Is not necessarily going to provide much value in a vacuum this year? I don't even, I don't know that I'd want to call it fit. Like I I just call it context. And I think it starts at as high as one, like for, I think Mm -hmm. a lot of different teams, I would have different guys as the top prospect in this class. Uh, And that's pretty rare. Um, so I think, yeah, it just, it's so much is, is in this class will be determined by the, by developmental context and the team should have very different priorities. I think that's something that we tried to get at in those, um, in those episodes with PD a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And I'm pretty uh, fast oh, to, go. um, uh, to sort of give my takeaway, the, the thing that if you start with the premise that like outside of Onyeka, the other bigs. Um, may not be immediate value propositions or value propositions to uh, to like a long-term developmental fit. Things can get screwy so quickly. Like I agreed that Devin Vassell is a value at five, but like once you get into the world where Patrick Williams is a top ten player, then you're just going to get outcomes that don't make a ton of sense. And when you're in a you know a draft that doesn't go according to a, a script, you know 10, 15, 20 people in, then the ability of your team to scout and to nail down exactly what does and doesn't work for your organization is going to be so much more important so for you know i think this is a huge draft for sacramento um and if this gets goes a little sideways are they willing to to gamble on a real swing like alexi who knows um and that's Yeah, I'm super fascinated to see what happens in the real draft um, with regards to trades because um, there weren't a lot of trades in in our in our draft here because I mean as we talked about everybody should want to trade back and everyone is going to be trying to trade back but I mean nobody really wants to trade back in, in this class there were there just aren't lots of enticing bets to trade up for um, outside of a few um, specific team fits and and specific guys besides trading up a couple spots or trading down to to get some future picks but yeah I'm I'm interested to see where the, where the trades land because I'm sure there's gonna be more than than there were in this mock so I back think just in real life you have 
you have way more people. You have teams with with much more um, varied like, opinions. Uh, yeah, ver- yeah, varied not opinions but priorities. Um, and also, you don't have people controlling five teams, so they can actually make trades between <laughs> these teams. Yeah. Oh yeah, back that's... to Sacramento though. Uh, PD touched on a uh, Poku, and if Denny was not there, I was going to take Poku with that pick. Yeah, I mean, I think that makes a lot of sense, and it's sort of similar yeah. vein to to the Denny pick. Um, I think yeah, Denny's I probably think, more reliable team defender. So I yeah, I think Denny that, is but. just like a really good transition fit with Fox and Bagley too. Um, just like yeah, this, yeah I, I mean someone who I mean Fox is obviously someone who pushes the ball in the open floor with his like absolutely blistering speed. But it's also but it's also someone who can be on the receiving end of that and just beat guys down the floor and, and get easy layups with, with without the ball. And Denny's a guy who can grab a rebound and push and make plays in transition. And that that value is definitely amplified. With next to a guy like Fox and next to shooters like Buddy Heald and um, I guess Jemias Ramsey in this case and quickly I'll, I'll, I'll say quickly um, yeah um, um, yeah I mean um, yeah I mean it's just a great fit from in my opinion and so someone who's not huge on Denny I think that's a super ideal landing spot for him there Ben I think we should probably uh, fi- you know finish this up now yeah. uh, so we don't so we don't uh, cannibalize too much of what we're going to do next yes. week and so we don't keep these guys for too long um, so I mean huge huge thank you to, to all of you guys for coming on this was a lot of fun uh, definitely the biggest production that we've done uh, for an episode and, and thanks for you know bearing with us and thank you of course to the listeners for putting up with whatever uh, you know audio difficulties or technical difficulties come about this this is a little more more difficult to to produce than our normal thing uh we had to use a different platform and you know had, had a few technical issues setting it up but hopefully overall the content will be worth it um and yeah keep keep uh keep leaving five star reviews it really helps us a lot uh i will continue to offer synergy bribes for that if you dm me a picture um did everyone want to shout out their, you know, anyone want to shout out any, um, uh, you know, work that they've done recently, Twitter accounts, whatever, just, I mean, go ahead now. I mean, I'll start, I guess. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Jake in the Paint. Um, my pin tweet is a recent NBA mailbag I dropped where I actually answered PD's question and said I concerned with Josh Green's shooting projection. So obviously he didn't take my answer in too much of account today, <laughs> but still love to see it anyways. So you can check that out. Um, I feel like I've been promoting this for three weeks and actually have only typed like 500 words on it, but I am going to have a Lamello piece up soon. He just moved to number one on my board. So stay tuned for that. Um, yeah, you can follow me, uh, on Twitter at Jack Frank underscore JJF. Um, I wrote a big, big piece about Isaiah Joe about a week and a half ago, um, on my Patreon, but it's free for everyone to read that one specifically. So, um, if you're interested why people are so fascinated by him, despite mainstream, um, being fairly low on him, take a look at that. Um, I explain why I have him so high and then I'll have a piece on Grant Riller coming out in the next few days. Um, so that's where I'm kind of at, and um, just want to say thank you to Ben and Max for organizing this. It was super fun, and um, kind of made me challenge and think deeper about kind of my rankings and approach to this to putting together a big board. Sam PD, you're too humble uh, right now. Uh, you can follow me at Sam Mav three on Twitter. Not entirely sure what I'm going to write next. Probably write a couple things before the draft. See how the NBA season starts. What that ha- what's happening? But I should have some pieces out before the draft starts. 
Yeah, and I'm going to quickly interject to say that um, Sam has been underfollowed for a long time. Um, so if you enjoyed his his performance on on this on this um, pot mock draft and you, you and didn't... his very convincing Ross Homan impression. Yes, <laughs> yes, um, <laughs> yes. I want um, a Sam and Ross draft podcast one day. Just. Just, just for fun. So yeah, um, go follow <laughs> Sam. He deserves more, more following than he has. And speaking of people who deserve more following than they have, uh, PD, would, would you like to, to finish off? Yeah, um, you can follow me on Twitter at at above the break three. Um, if you have, um, you know, uh, a, a hankering for very long draft pieces, um, there's a whole bunch that I give out for free on Patreon. Throw a couple bucks if you can. Um, when any enemy of the podcast who will not be named delivers my laptop, we can um, <laughs> we can add the Josh Green and Desmond Bain pieces that I have been sitting on for a while. Um, thank you guys for having me, um, and this was really fun. Yeah, huge shout out to Max and Ben for putting this together and having me on to come and talk draft. It was a ton of fun. Yeah, and I think um, with that, that that that's all we have. Um, you can follow me again on Twitter at Ben underscore Pfeiffer underscore. Uh, follow Max at at Max A. Carlin. Um, follow the pod at Prep Number Two Pro Pod. We're on Apple, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, all of the places. So go check this out. Um, this is gonna be a split into quite a few episodes because this went long as expected. So expect quite. A, this will probably be the last one you're hearing. Um, yeah, like, like Max said, next week we're going to have um, another guest, uh, someone who was not um, on this show, come back and give his um, rather unbiased as possible opinion on how we did. So stay tuned for that. That's going to be fun. And I think um, that's going to be about it. So thank you all for listening. Again, um, stay tuned for more episodes and have a nice day.